0: It loaded one out. Infielders are sort of halfway at second and short. Pena in a jam. The Twins are gonna win the World Series. The Twins have won it. It's a base hit. It's a one nothing 10 inning victory.
1: For Cobras and Fire, I'm your host, Luce Cannon, along with the disposable Baco. How are you, sir? I am well, Luce. Good to hear from you. How are you? I'm great. So what did you want to talk about today? 1991! 1991. 1991. I was thinking like a year in view, something nobody's ever done. Absolutely. I think that's a great idea. Another High fresh concept.
2: Off the, fresh off the fire, Cobras oh, yeah. Fire idea. Oh,
1: yeah. Nice and original as always, mm-hmm. innovators podcast <laughs> gold episode number forty. So wow. let's do this. 40. What's uh, what's kind of the the history of nineteen ninety one? The what we've been told the the whole what happened in this year, Baco.
2: Well, the narrative typically goes that. Uh, uh, 1991 started out as uh, pretty much just roses and plum cakes popping out of the asses of <laughs> bands like you know Rat, Motley Crue, and Slaughter was just enjoying the right and high and
1: on, absolutely on, on their second
2: you know up wave. all
1: night yeah sleep man. all day
2: and they're getting ready to do some I don't know what's, what was it Wildlife their second record whatever man yeah. it's killing it yeah so it, all things were good and then all of a sudden these three little assholes from Seattle come out. Released a record, and then boom, Bobby Blotzer's buying vending machines.
3: <laughs> Everything <laughs> would have
2: been the same. Rat would have just continued to be exactly as successful as they had been for the previous decade
1: if Nirvana had never released that one record. That's God. the narrative. They are so pesky. I can't believe that those guys just ruined bit. it. Ruined it for the whole Sunset Strip.
2: Dirty, stinky, coffee-drinking bastards.
1: I so I, I bet they really wanted to kill that guy at that time. Uh, you no, know, I, I don't
2: think at the time. I think I, don't you think it would be maybe a couple years later? We'll, go, yeah. we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Sure, sure. I don't think they knew at the time. <laughs> no, nothing like a little suicide humor. So uh, we'll move past that. <laughs> <laughs> and we've hit rock bottom in two minutes. So, so all right, let's we'll move past there. New, yes, wait, it, it, new personal best. <laughs> new personal best. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. So yeah. So that's kind of the the theme that we've always been told. I've I've heard that on a billion podcasts. People tell me that is the year that just like a big bottle of Raid killed hair metal dead. Right?
2: Yeah, that's exactly how it's
1: uh how, it, how it's often yeah sold is a good way to put it. I mean okay. So what, before we get into that and get into the whole thing, yeah, why don't we just start, you know, now that we just moved from something a little more uh, a little uh, off color, I should say. Why don't you go to kind of that list that you put together because, you know, uh, how much research did we do for this show?
2: Oh, tons. You know, I, I, I love these episodes, but man, it's so much work.
1: <laughs> Tell me how much work it is, Baco. How much work, how much time did you spend Doing this, this 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 whole. Well, I spent at least
2: It eh, looks like about seventeen pages of printer, but most of that's ads. Okay. And, and my work paid for it. Uh, hopefully they aren't listening. Uh, and exactly. I did it at work too, so I was like good I paid paid to do it. So. So who uh, cares? <laughs> well, but yeah, no, I mean whatever. I mean we 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 approach things different. Obviously, we're having a little fun with our uh, our uh, our gold. Uh, what, what do you call that? your sugar daddy. Uh, the mother, the mothership, the mothership, a Decibel geek, because they, I don't know, have they done it? Any type of urine review episode? I'm not really sure.
1: I don't think so. So this might be an idea they might want right. take. Take yeah, but well,
2: us. they might want to use this then. Um, good, good. Uh, Break it down, but, but uh, well, here's another idea I had. I th- since we're looking at 1991, why not talk about what things cost back then? Sure, why not? Um, well, everybody everyone, loves that. A Russian mail-order bride would have ran you about $5,000 in 1991. Reasonable. Yeah, not too bad. I mean, compared to today's prices of about $5,020. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, A healthy baby on the black market would run you, on average, about $40,000. Decent. Yeah. An ounce of marijuana at a remarkably well-priced $150.
1: Solid. Excellent. (laughs) I'll look into that. A DWI.
2: The, a DWI. This is just at the beginning of mad and sad and dad and all that stuff. Uh, you know, so I many just, acronyms. A, a paltry 400 bucks compared to now, that is a bargain
1: if you're going to drive drunk. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, Continue. <laughs>
1: If only I could get the DeLorean and, yeah. and go back in time with <laughs> yeah. Vince Neal. Vince Neal is my co-pilot. I, <laughs> yeah, well, in mean, 86,
2: sex. killing somebody with you while driving drunk or – no, it was 84 or 85. Whatever. It doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, a little bit of inflation there. But, man, yeah. I mean, come on. That's the time. Vince could just yeah. continue. Six, Who could, 400 do, bucks.
2: I had to do some,
1: some – uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't do what that. is that voice? That's a terrible impression. <laughs> that's Vince Neil. <laughs> hey, did you see this? This is Vince music? Neil. <laughs> Rock to... vocal power.
2: All right, well, a compact disc, which we would call a CD back then, would yes. run you about 14 bucks, and you could actually sell it back to the store for about 4 bucks. I think I just sold 400 CDs for $10. <laughs> that
1: sounds about. I think that's what I got on eBay, and I was happy to <laughs> <Yeah>. get that. <laughs>
2: um anyway uh tickets to a steelheart concert surprisingly were pretty much cost what they could do now whatever the the headliner was charging yes okay um a fake id was only 30 bucks and a pound of
1: bacon was a buck 88 solid good thank you for that little uh, you know oh that was a great history lesson baco excellent excellent kind of wish was there now say again
2: i just wish i could go back and uh buy myself a May, Russian mail-order bride, a uh, black market baby, and
1: drive drunk with him in the car. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yes, we all have our dreams. So <laughs> why don't we uh, – you know, before we get into the agenda that we kind of set, where were you kind of in this? This I know you're a few years older than me, but 1991 is – where's where's Baco at this time besides getting out of jail?
2: <laughs> well, uh, largely well-behaved, but I um – um. I was a freshman in college at the beginning of ninety to ninety one, so it would have been my second semester. I was about to get dumped by the love of my life, who she is such a whore.
3: Okay, um, fair enough.
2: Um, and I don't know. I mean I was, you know, I, me and my uh, high school buddy, uh, who you're about to be neighbors with, uh, relatively speaking. Um, we would uh, just, we would do laundry, and go hang out at a record store across the parking <laughs> did lot. You
1: actually, did, did you actually just mention to me that you did laundry with your roommate? Yeah, oh, but the, the, the
2: reason was that, like, it was in the same – we would to go to this one laundromat specifically that wasn't really the, the closest one to our house because it had a music store in the same – they shared – it was like a strip mall, but they were in different you know parts of the strip. And we would gotcha. walk there, and, and we would basically – we became like those assholes that the guys in the store get sick of. Um, yes because we would we would buy plenty of music but not when you put the the amount of purchase per time spent in the store it had to be pretty distant you know? <laughs> but uh no it was a lot of fun um a lot of a lot of drinking and hanging out with friends and doing college stuff um and just i don't know you know digging a, a whole lot of stuff it was a great year for music if you ask me and um it, it actually is and now that we you know we were talking about this leading up to it just kind of looking back there was there's so many key parts of my life that I can tie to music from this this just one year, um, so fuck it, it was great.
1: Yeah, that that's oh, and I drank a lot of
2: old Milwaukee. Uh, I uh, and, and in preparation for this uh, show, I am wearing a Hypercolor T shirt and my Doc Martins are tight as shit.
1: Nice. Yeah, I, th- I think that that. Uh... Both of us pretty much had the same fashion uh, choice and hats per, per the uh, the graphic for this. I've this never episode. been a
2: hat guy, so it's kind of odd that you found
1: one. <laughs> Both of us have are wearing it the improper way, like to the side or yeah. backwards, or it, it's quite ridiculous. But mine,
2: mine was corduroy.
1: Was it corduroy? Yes, yeah. I think mine was some kind of plastic shiny material. I don't know. It looked good, but man. Uh, yeah, it was solid.
2: What about you, Luz? what was a young backwards red hat wearing loose cannon doing <laughs> running around the Hoosier state in 1991 what were you doing man what were you up to
1: well sure so my uh, hometown is West Lafayette, Indiana which is also where Purdue University the fine institution is located and it' was my senior year of high school and you know I decide uh, besides it being uh, me remembering and part of it that I, I, I that I tie into this year a lot is there's a lot of Basically, stuff that I certainly remember that happened. First off, it's the transitional between high school and and college, um, going to Purdue. So that's there. But and you know that you got that going on. But the main thing is, you are a is boiler that, maker. I'm learning something. That's that's correct. That's correct. And and you know what really you know makes me remember this year a lot. And it was great that there's so much good music. Is because you bust my balls a lot of the time. That I purge a lot of stuff. Right. Oh yeah. I mean we're like polar opposites there. Right. Yeah, you're a hoarder. I'm a yeah. purger. Yes. Do you know why? I'll tell you why. This will help you of why it's easier for me to purge. A little bit into
2: the psyche of yes, Cannon. Yes, That's yes, yes. Let me hear
1: it. Basically, there was a – and I don't know if it affected – it had to – well, I don't know. I know the winters are horrible there all the time, but the – uh oh, they great. Yeah, sure. So in 1991, though, in Indiana and in Illinois, there was an ice storm that basically shut down um, – Indiana, at least for about ten days, no electricity. It it was all the stuff, and, and so everybody um, basically had their their fireplace going all the time, and and essentially, I'll just I'll just break this down really quick. House, everything I own, nothing that I own is more than twenty five years old, because our enhi- entire house burned down in ninety one. Wow. So everything we weren't and no, I wasn't breathing fire like those Gene Simmons pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it was it was something where basically you know the fireplace was was being run all the time because nobody had electricity for like days, so it caught on fire. And we actually went out finally because the the, uh, the roads were paved. And when we came back, there was three fire departments. We went out for like showers and you know to bathe and stuff. We came back, boosh. Fire out! Yeah! All this music and everything that I've collected and all that stuff you hoard—it's gone. So I don't have as much connection to it as you. So does that help you?
2: That's an amazing insight. I had no idea.
1: Yeah. So my point being is that that um, I realized the only, but, but really when it breaks down, the, oh, there's only a few things that that really um, that I miss, and that was kind of like you built your collection.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You
1: know, when you're a kid and you build it up until seventeen. Bigger, I had. Bigger. You know, the, uh, you, know you, you get all these – col- whenever you start collecting all that, 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 that stuff, you know, you finally get, you get the, the job that gets you the good stereo, all those kind of things. Um, that's why I just don't have as much attachment to stuff. Yeah, uh, but, but the music is the biggest thing that I miss because I built like the whole like whole Van Halen discography, Kiss, right. all that stuff. You build all that stuff and it's gone like, shit, I got to start from day one. But it's just not the same when you get it again. So, wasn't that fun? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it's it's weird because like my my um, penchant for not letting the stuff go has a much tragic, much less tragic reason, but a, a similar result. And but it's nothing to do with
1: 1991. So no, I hear you. So that's why 1991 is definitely I definitely remember that year because everything's gone. So the um, but what what did survive was my my. Um, uh, 1981 Buick Skylark that I was driving around in. So that was pretty nice.
2: <laughs> well, uh, I, I can uh, confirm that uh, uh, our conversations have inspired me to kind of like let go of uh, quite a bit of stuff in the last year or so.
1: But you know what I'm not going to let go of? I'm not going to let go of the rock of 1991. And I will, I will put to, to, I will just say this right now, and I think it's a, an easy statement to make. Is that 1991 is probably no, not probably 1991 is the biggest year for rock, hard rock, and rock in general ever. It's and I, I'll tell you in, in hard both hard to argue in, in, both, in both it's, it's critical criti- yeah. Well, my definition is is in both critical and commercial success for hard rock bands or rock bands in general. So with with
2: that specific definition, anybody who wants to uh, uh, counter that point, do so under that guise.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can't really argue with that. I mean, let's just look at, and 1991 is known as what? The year that grunge killed hair metal dead. That's what you always hear, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, Okay.
1: So it's our argument, and it's our kind of um, purpose, our mission statement for this podcast this episode to just kind of break down about that 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 what you what we've been told isn't in is not really what happened that year we it should maybe call happened it the in, year that rock lived yeah, yeah the year that rock lived in 92 the year that rock lived 92 slowly the shift happened 93 but what really but before we go into kind of their releases and everything like that and just kind of revisit some great music and everything what really happened to hair metal? Tell me what happened to hair metal, or happened to, to hard rock in general. Sure. Um,
2: uh, well, let me just uh, break it down like this. This, this is what happened to hair metal: Extreme, Nelson, Mr. Big, White Line, <laughs> Poison, Enough's <laughs> Enough, White Snake, Firehouse, Steelheart. It, it pains me a little bit because I mentioned bands that I actually enjoy. There. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, me too. I like Extreme. But, I like Poison. But, but the reaction the reality is that um, I mean, it really is more of like instead of like a, a bullet to the head. Uh, gr- gr- if let, let's just let's just use the term term grunge, and just accept that's how we're going to describe it from here forth. Grunge was more of a like a rising out of the ashes, or some kind of like secondary. It was, it was almost like a necessity like like almost like a purging burn that was started like they they were the ashes after the fire because like you know you got to remember like Guns N Roses broke and then all of a sudden you had you know and by the way this stuff happened ahead of it like Motley Crue came big and they're largely responsible for Warrant and Poison you know it's mm-hmm. it, things get lighter and lighter more polished and more commercial that's the way things work it happened with grunge too but Dangerous Toys, LA Guns, two bands that I love, but they really were basically signed to be Guns N' Roses. Let's see if we can't cash in on this 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 thing. And but that whole thing had been kind of dying. I mean, bands like Dokken had really, you know, kind of outlived their welcome. Rat released the same record six or seven times.
1: Can I can I jump in here real quick? Yeah. Basically there's good music and there's shit music, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah, well there's, a, there's, an there's there's an in between. There's an in between, but yeah. what I'm saying is that at some point, you know, and, and that's what we're going to we're, we're we'll go into is there was tons of of great releases from bands that that I guess what I'm saying is that, you know, for with every every uh genre or whatever, over time just like just like whatever you want to call it grunge, hair metal killed hair metal. You mm-hmm. had like the third yeah. co- cousins yeah, grunge killed grunge. I mean, let's yeah, and, but in same, with, same with hair metal. I mean, what you have is the ultimate, like the peak is like your trickster, if you want to put it put <laughs> yeah. it there. Like it yeah, goes from – I
2: had trickster on the list too.
1: Yeah, so it's a, it, that's like the peak of – Basically, lips, if the, you open the,
2: for Kiss after 87, you're probably part of the problem.
1: <laughs> I can see that as well. But, yeah, I mean, it basically – even if there hadn't been another big thing that came out or whatever you want to call it. And I, I'll even go to the fact that I don't I don't even agree with the term grunge and let me tell you why. I agree with a Seattle scene sure. or, some, or something like that. But but if you put someone into a room and you didn't have journalists and you didn't have <laughs> um, record executives, you didn't have media telling you what something was and somebody put on a Soundgarden album, all I ever grunge. thought of – <laughs> I know, but what I'm saying that if you put on a Soundgarden album, all, all I would hear about the first thing I thought about was, guys, these guys some got some great fucking Tony Iommi riffs, right? This this yeah, you know, some indeed Sabbath, yeah, and it'd be like, this guy's fucking kick ass, and 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 then if somebody came in and <laughs> again, if somebody came in and said, here's Nirvana, what'd say? <laughs> You'd be like, you'd be like, all right. This sounds different, you know. This, this, this don't you think the differ- big
2: standout to your point though would be Pearl Jam or maybe Alice in Chains?
1: Yeah, well, both of those though. I mean, each okay. Let's say that I think know, there's just- a little
2: more overlap overlap in uh, in um, Soundgarden and Nirvana as far as a uh, tone. About- I don't. I think Nir- there's, Nirvana there's, I think is more sound- punky, but like just something about the I don't know.
1: No, I think. Carry on. Is,
2: I, I'm losing my myself on this topic. So. That, that's
1: fine. I mean, I think Sun has more, um, is tighter to Alice in Chains than than any of the other ones because they're both kind of those. Alice I do in now Chains. too, so fuck it. <laughs> okay, well, fine. And then Pearl Jam doesn't even have any of that DNA to me. I mean, this you know Eddie Vedder has a unique voice, but but they're, they're I think they're inherently more of a classic rock inspired band. So my point being is that. They just painted the fact that they were in the same area, just like the LA bands. They just yeah, said, "Here's right. here's this," and, and these the, guys. And then, by the way, the
2: LA bands did, for the most part, have a more. There was more cohesiveness to their sound, as far as like saying, "This band is all. This is the LA sound." Then I think you got out, of, out of Seattle early. The second phase was basically. I mean, because you even had like you know it, it wasn't the second phase wasn't even Seattle. It was now bands like Seattle bands. It was like the Lemonheads and, and the Pumpkins. And I, I'm not ranking these bands or, or saying right. good or bad, but just, you know, it was kind of that thing.
1: So, so let, let's go to, to proving uh, proof positive that 1991 was a great year for rock. So let's just, just pull any release out of your ass right now that, that came out in 1991. That wasn't grunge. Was there any number one albums from hard rock bands that year?
2: Well, I think Skid Row was number one that year, right? They were they were <laughs> yeah. the first uh, actually uh, heavy metal. It was after SoundScan, by the way. It was the Correct. first time a hard rock band had ever gone number one, which proved that all the uh, uh, whatever the, the 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 Billboard charts for record sales were all tied into politics and 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 whatever. Once you had actual computer data. The first hard rock band to release a record that year goes to number one.
1: Yep, and I remember that being huge, and and seeing like uh, you know Sebastian Bach was on the cover of Rolling Stone. They had that was a, a a a huge like it was just I remember that being a a, a a kind of a testament to to like proving you know to me that this this stu- that people were listening to this this music right. Get the fuck out.
0: Get the fuck out get
2: the fuck out now let me ask you this you bought the record when it came out yes or no
1: what yeah day of release 100 percent. Right,
2: um did you get the get the fuck out version or the what is it beggars day or something on the other one i think it's i funny just you took mentioned the hand on which one i got
1: yeah i have i have get the fuck out and my my uh, buddy friend of the show rob he uh he has the one he with went Beggars-, to Walmart. Beggar's Day. Yeah, pretty much. He got he got the Beggar's Day one, and he loves the Beggar's Day. I didn't hear Beggar's Day until probably a decade later. I just yeah,
0: I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't. I
2: heard it pretty early on because my roommate was one of those nerds that like had to have both, so he would actually buy the entire record again just to get one song. Um, but I wouldn't do that until I had more disposable income later in life. But Sure. Um, I don't like the song. I like Get the Fuck Out much better.
1: Yeah, I... Uh I actually go Beggar's Day now. Get the fuck out. Get the
0: fuck out. Get the fuck out. Get
1: the fuck out. The point being is you can't really mess with that record. I mean, what are your thoughts on Slave of the Five-star album. Yep. And for all you people that are not here from um, the, uh, the mothership, Decibel Geek, definitely check out the albums Unleashed. With Michael Wagner. Oh yeah,
2: it's a fucking uh, such a fun listen.
1: Yeah, it's a great listen. So definitely check that out. But you know, just hearing the background on that. But but slave to the grind. I mean, I'm gonna throw this out, and I, the one album track that never I, I will never skip is the Can threat.
2: Can I get? Oh my God! I wrote the threat down. I'm gonna take a picture of it and text you. <laughs> Hold on, I'm, a, hope, I'm going to turn up the sound on it so you can hear it.
1: Well, <laughs> just just the thing about the threat, and we're going to play it right now for you, for you people, uh, is that Did drum roll, that? the drum roll in the beginning. There's oh, I comes. see it. There oh. it is. All right, man,
2: whatever. Yeah, I didn't know that we were actually going to introduce the songs as we went, but yeah, the threat, bitch. <laughs>
1: Did the threat make you sweat? It did. I am soaked in rock juice, and I so <laughs> you only, you only oh get so much God. rock juice. That's true. Then you got to go to sleep afterwards. So <laughs> yeah, let's let's just move forward. Uh, I feel a uncomfortable as usual with you with this kind of conversation. So we're gonna go, and you know, why it's your turn. I mean, this is the year that rock died. So you know, why don't you let me know another another band that just was just just obliterated in the year 1991
2: (laughs) well I thought about touching on Motorhead but I think if you want to talk about proof that um, grunge didn't kill anything because I I eventually want to actually talk about some of these so called grunge bands but Ozzy released No More Tears and it is a fucking pretty good record man I'm not sure I would say it's best or maybe top three but uh, it's the second one with Zach Wild and it's, it's I don't know it's got a lot of really good stuff on it
1: I mean, com- but commercially, it was massive. Oh yeah, is, it, it was... is this his biggest selling one? Oh, it I might think it be. is. It right?
2: actually might be. I don't. Well, no. His, remember, his first two were pretty big, and even *Bark at the Moon* was like three or four million. I don't know. It's I still, still think there, that this though.
1: one. This one might be the biggest though, just because a couple of those singles are just massive. But and...
2: you know, I, I do think it's 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 as iconic um, as far as like. Uh, that boom doodle boom. Oh my god. I mean, that that's that's, that's that's up there that's, with uh, oh, yeah. Crazy Train and you know as far as songs you know, that people like when you hear it you know it's Ozzy.
1: So one hundred percent. Yeah. I mean that by the way, it, not yeah. the big a
2: fan of that tune.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's one of my favorites by him. But the but overall, I mean, that album it definitely hasn't aged as well as that I remember I remember loving it. And, uh, that year but that, again that, that's another one that just that I didn't just... get
2: it for uh, there's no way I had it in 91 I got it in 92 um, and then I couldn't believe how much I liked it I yeah, kind of no... checked out of Ozzy
1: but right no, and and I was always more of a Black Sabbath fan than, than Ozzy solo and uh, he brought me back in with that album I mean hold on hold on hold on I got my dog
2: hold okay on. you have a dog <whistles> out Ozzy Osbourne never recovered uh, with his release. No more <laughs> tears. Uh, oh, nobody bought it. Um, I can't
1: believe the album wasn't bigger.
2: Ba-da-dum-bum, ba-da-dum-bum, ba-da-dum. Yeah, no, it's uh, obviously it was a big record for him, and another sign that grunge didn't really destroy. It was more like if you sucked, you didn't have a future. But if you released something good, it was it was going
1: to be okay for you. It actually did okay. Yeah. It's just, like, it's just like another hand in the bush.
2: Yeah, another hand. It was just like, that was brilliant. I love <laughs> yes. you
1: right now. Thank you, thank you. But, yeah, I mean, again, an, another artist that, that was just brought down by the man, the man named Grunge. And, you know, I mean, that's, you know, I'm trying to think of a, a, a track we can feature, but that, you know, there's just so many, there's great songs on it. You got, it Definitely, it, it helped uh, Lemmy's uh, Bills for the next 25 years, right? I mean, he had, <laughs> yeah. he had he had at least two. I remember going through that because he
2: wrote "Mama, I'm coming home" and uh, and
1: Hellraiser, Hellraiser, yeah. There might have been a third too, and I'm sure if there's any fact bastards out there that can help me with that, I don't have the liner notes in front of me, but I remember looking that and seeing L. Period Kilmeister, <laughs> and and being like, "What? I cannot believe he wrote this yeah. song." You, you know talk, what I mean?
2: Talk about um, two guys. Uh, on the opposite ends of the uh, making money in music spectrum. And and they always maintained a a pretty solid relationship. Like uh, it didn't seem like Lemmy ever felt ripped off by Ozzy, which is seems to be a hard thing to do if you've worked with Ozzy. Right. And um, Ozzy maintained a a pretty good friendship with him. That that actually seemed pretty genuine. So,
1: yeah, the and the other while ripping him off, Ozzy, what now? While ripping him off. <laughs> <laughs> Any other news about Ozzy?
2: Um, well, did, did you hear he's getting a divorce? I believe so. And he's got a new reality TV show coming out. What are the odds that those two news items come out at the same time?
1: <laughs> I'll tell you this, though. When when I saw the whole news report about the fact that Ozzy's lost, <laughs> we can't find him. Yeah, I, was like, I love he, that. Uh, yeah, I was like, Ozzy's not lost. He's hiding. I mean, that, that, that lady... Uh, anyway so that's exactly what I would do <laughs> that lady. you would never see me again I'd be just gone vanished but but uh, moving on what's another um, possible artist that, that suffered a, a quick death in 1991?
2: Oh well, I know Metallica kind of took a big step back with the release of the <laughs> black album.
1: Oh I cannot I mean that was a commercial failure it was like it was like it was just like it was just music poison. I I always felt
2: guilty for liking it, like because it was like one of those things. It's like I wasn't cool because I liked it. Like (laughs) it's like I was the only one. I was like, seriously, guys, it's not
1: that bad. Yeah, the the black album. First off, I was looking at it was hard to find. I don't know why it's so difficult to find the actual. Like you can always find the the total sales to date for an album, but I can't seem to find how much uh, online. This one barely sold twenty million.
2: <laughs> but that—I yeah, was trying it, to find out it, how much it, it sold like, that year. It crawled to a paltry twenty million copies.
1: Yeah, it would have been a hundred million. But yeah, exactly, it, if, it yeah. yeah, if it weren't for Nirvana. Yeah, it wasn't for those damn Nirvana. <laughs> damn but, it! Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean. But yeah, I mean, it was number one for I think five or six weeks. Is what I—the only the at from their, best their, their, their research. At best, at best that year, and you know, there's. I'll give some props to one other podcast called Rock and or Roll, which uh, our friend Joey from Rock Strikes Ten guested it on. They did a they revisited the Black album, and they made some really good points. I mean, Joey um, was good. If you look at that, I think that you do you still like it in retrospect? Yeah, or no? Yeah, I do. You do. Okay, I think that a lot of the songs just lack a lot of um, melody. Like, there's a lot of things that are... Well, that are, like it is of...
2: Metallica.
1: No, 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 no. I'll just tell you this much. The Black Album, I will go on record that I might even like Load more. What do you think hmm. of that? Well, the first Load, not not Reload, which is the, the after uh, spray on the sheets of Load. I mean, it is just horrid. That one And I know load was a huge departure But but for Black for me The only the only thing that holds up for me For Black actually Is I don't think any of the deep tracks AKA the, not the what Five or six singles that they put out Are any good mm-hmm. what, what are some deep tracks for you on that album Oh My Friend of
2: Misery is a great song
1: Okay, that one I'll give you. That one's good. What besides that, though? Do you like Don't Tread oh, On geez. Me?
2: I don't have a fucking... Si- nah, no, I never liked Don't Tread On Me. Good. What about... That's a uh, song that Kid Rock used, right?
1: No, that's sad but true. That's sad but true. I never liked that one either. Really? Okay, so that was one of the singles. Um, what about... Uh... <laughs> See, you can't even recall them.
3: Well, I don't it's one of the have biggest, it. It's, it's one of the biggest albums of all time. years
1: ago.
2: We're gonna fight now. Ah! This is classic Cobras and Fire. Um yeah, if you like load better, yeah, that's kind of fucked. Um <laughs> I enjoyed I, Soundgarden quite a bit. <laughs> they had yeah, a record that came out in, in nineteen ninety one. Little uh
1: bad motorfinger, right? Oh, what do you what do you you like them? You like that record? I do, I do. And and the first song I ever heard was Outshined. And
2: Yeah, same here actually.
1: I mean just just to say until people told us you had to – that's the thing I wanted to talk about too for this episode is the whole bullshit of picking sides. You never should be have to qualify, hey, I like Pearl Jam, even though they're a little different or even though they don't wear spandex or even though they don't do this. This song is really cool or whatever when you're talking to somebody that, that liked it. I liked all this stuff equally. I had a double cassette jam box that had <laughs> Skid, Row, Skid Row's um, debut album right and the other one would be – You know, Alice in Chains' facelift. I'd have Soundgarden with Metallica or Van Halen or whatever. I never thought of it, and this is before because, like, Soundgarden and Alice in Chains, both of those were out before the quote Nirvana Pearl Jam at the end of the year. I think I don't have that right in front of me, but I could in my mind. I can remember. Nirvana
2: was late. It was like, yeah, it was like the end of the year. I
1: think it was. I think I looked it up, and it was like September or October. It was near the end of that. Yeah. But, like, did you think, when you heard these bands, though, that they were – did you not think that they were just hard rock? Or what, just, honestly, what did you
2: – Yeah, like, I mean, it, Nirvana I heard before all of it.
1: Um, really? You didn't even hear – so you didn't even hear sungarden Garden or Alice in Chains before Nirvana?
2: If I did, it just – it didn't sting. Didn't hit. Let's, didn't yeah, hit. let's put okay. it that okay. way. Um, and I never really got Nirvana. I, I did buy the, the Nevermind album, obviously, but it – it just never really, I was like, Yeah, I get it, I guess. But uh, it, but Soundgarden, w- when I got into Soundgarden, Outshined had been out for a while. When I got into Alice in Chains, I, it was after I saw them. Like, like That came out in 90, and I saw them on uh, the Clash of the Titans tour with Slayer, Anthrax, and, Meta- and Megadeth. And they were the opening act, and they were great. And then about two weeks after that, I uh, I saw or, or heard the, the song Mad in the Box, which I yep. had heard many times prior to that, but just whatever reason, it just didn't soak in. But now that I had seen them and I had a reference point, now I was paying a little more attention. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Um, And I think, you know what, there is a certain truth to that grunge-killed music, and that's in the sense of, like, I, I think there's more... It's more. The music is coming from a more genuine place when we're talking about the the big three or four, if you want to call them that, of of the early grunge movement. I I do think Nirvana, um, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, and I don't know who Soundgarden would be the uh, the big four, the big four, if you want to call them that. Yeah, and and they definitely do from a um, a fundamental belief in what they're doing and why they're doing it there's more validity to their their music than there is from rat who i love or or bands like warrant or poison or slaughter that are kind of more or less following a very specific formula and these are people who got good at what they did and just really never really had this i don't know this inbred passion for it that you felt with this this first wave but again this was caused by them it was like almost a reaction, you know. It was like an opposite reaction to something that was existing. But um, Soundgarden was one of my favorites. Soundgarden and Alice in Chains probably my two favorites. And then it would be uh,
1: uh, Pearl. Can you go back to that Clash of the Titans tour yeah. real quick, though? Yeah. Now, when you saw them, I think you mentioned this in another episode, though. But did they kind of blend okay? Like, yeah. I mean, you know, does. this is
2: Minnesota. We're not mean to anybody. Uh, <laughs> so they, they came out. And, um, and the, for me... Like I had no idea what to expect, so they were great. Uh I I, I didn't I, I didn't actually notice this like oh well they're done. Now it's like this thrash stuff. Um but no, they, they were fine. Um and Lane Staley was just amazing. Sounded so good and just, just listening to how tight this band was, because visually they were about as dull as you can get. Yeah. But uh they were uh they were they were tight and they sounded great and I loved it.
1: Yeah, and and I'll say that that and I don't have my, again. We didn't do any research. In my recollection, I think I saw, and we'll go into, uh, we'll, we'll bounce back from, from from this here too. Is I think it was ninety one or it might have been ninety two that I saw Van Halen and Alice and Chains together. Oh, right. Yeah. And and, yep. and and I never and I know it was before Dirt because Dirt would have been when they did. No, it all definitely from, was because it was on the uh,
2: Fuck Tour. Um,
1: fuck Tour. Yeah. Okay, so, but I never thought this is so bizarre. I Speaking can't of which, these.
2: since we're talking about 1991, if you ha- if it's okay with you, I'm just gonna quick open a Crystal Pepsi.
1: Oh yeah, Crystal Pepsi. <laughs> you make a little reference to Extreme there.
2: No, that was uh, Van Halen. Right now they. Uh...
1: Was that Crystal Pepsi?
2: Yeah, right oh. now drink Crystal Pepsi.
1: Oh, I did not know it was Crystal Pepsi. Jeez, that was a huge failure. And Zima was awesome too. exactly a lot of of clear liquids that died but but yeah so but I didn't my my point is that when I saw them I didn't think gosh this is so bizarre that they're putting this this band with Van Halen because those are polar opposites by by any right I mean yeah but uh,
2: imagine being that one guy in treatment who's there because he's just super addicted to Zima
1: (laughs) I don't even understand what you're talking
2: about Oh, we're talking Van Halen. No, Eddie loved uh, uh, Allison Chains, and uh, I remember Jerry Cantrell told a story that like, I don't know, he was just like holding Eddie's gear and said, "Yeah, oh, this is really nice." And then like after the tour was done, he got home and there was all this like free fifty-one-fifty Eddie Van Halen gear, just sitting in his garage that Eddie had sent him. So
1: very cool. I, the only interview I remember about Eddie Van Halen and Allison Chains was he said, he said, "Yeah, Allison Chains, I really like them. They have really." Really simple riffs, and their music is so simple. It was almost like insulting what, it, what he was saying to him. But uh, did you I ever don't know, read I that?
2: Know, I, I think um, I think he didn't mean it, it insulting
1: because it sounds like uh, he was a pretty big fan. That's cool.
2: Well, let's talk bad motorfinger.
1: Yeah, go ahead. So yeah, so go back to the garden.
2: Well, bad motorfinger. I mean, like, what did you? I mean, everybody knows, like, you know, Rusty Cage and Outshined and. Uh, God. Well, Jesus Christ, pose gets talked about a lot, but
1: yeah, um, I didn't like. I never liked that one. I still haven't. I mean, I, like, I, it. I like the. Well, yeah, I think it's okay. I, I, I it's okay, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that is the uh, the one. So why why don't you? I'd be okay if they skipped it live. Right. Yeah. No. I like. I like the. And, but, and overall, I don't know. Like, like, I'm not sure which one I like better. I don't know if I like. That or Super Unknown. I'm going to probably say Bad Motorfinger, but uh, w- what's your... Man, like, they're
2: right both now? pretty awesome, aren't they? Yeah. That's, I that's mean, what I'm I saying. actually really like Louder Than Love a lot.
1: But, yeah, uh, that one, not overall do, do I like, but it does have some great, great tracks on it That, that well.
2: beginning, by the way, of, of Loud Love, where like the, the guitars are going... Wah, 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 and then like it just kind of melds into like a... Wah, and then all of a sudden, Chris Cornell's voice... What? <laughs> one of the greatest intros in rock history, but Bad Motorfinger. Um, I don't know if you're asking me to pick something. I don't know. I like somewhere. What do you think? A wish to wish, a dream to dream. That song. I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Searching with my good what's eye. The, what's, the, what's the? Yes, no. Let's do that one. This is my good eye. Do you hear a cow?
0: A rooster says. A pig the devil says.
2: Strap on some Doc Martens, some cargo shorts, and a sleeveless flannel. Nothing will. This wraps up part one of Cobras and Fire 1991 year in review. Part two will be coming soon. And in part two, we continue to make the argument that 1991 is the greatest year in rock. And we will never say that about another year. I can almost guarantee that that is alive. Anyway, up in part two, we talk about you know everything from the red Hot Chili Peppers, LA Guns, Great White, David LaRoth. Uh, I think we touch on a little bit of Primus, I don't know. All sorts of good stuff that solidify the fact that you know what? It may be a little bit of a revisionist history uh, to blame uh, Nirvana for everything that happened to, I don't know, uh, Pretty boy Floyd. Anyway, see, from uh, for Loose Cannon, my name is Baco. Thank you for tuning in to Cobras and Fire, and we'll see you on part two of the 1991 Year in Review. Bye-bye.
3: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football